Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation offering you a conservatarian perspective. And we're going to have a conversation today with Karen Levine and Peter Wall. So, Karen, welcome. Thank you. And Peter, great to have you here. Great to be here. Thank you. This is your radio debut. My radio debut. Woohoo! All right. So, and uh, I've known Karen. You and I have known each other for many, many years. And uh, Peter, we met when I was on city council. So it's great to have you here. Both good friends. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, right to survive. Okay, uh, Peter, why don't you set this up? Sure. So just a little bit uh, background. I'm the government affairs director for the Denver Metro Association of Realtors. So we're the largest local realtor association in the state, 7,200 members. And really we have um, two main goals in terms of our advocacy efforts. We're promoting home ownership and we're protecting property rights. So Love that. (laughs) We love it too. And it's really, really important to us. And I think, you know, protecting someone's nest egg is is essential to our our business and their lives. So um, what we're facing right now is an initiative that's going to be on Denver's May ballot. Um, in May 2019. Um, the election day is May 7th. Um, and it's a citizens initiative, meaning that um, a group of citizens in Denver, uh, a group called Denver Homeless Out Loud, Out Loud, who's a homeless rights advocacy group, um, collected signatures from Denver residents, 4,700 of them, and put this initiative onto the ballot in May. And essentially what it does is it allows an individual, homeless or not, to occupy a public space or a semi-public space 24-7, 365 days a year, so long as that individual is not committing a crime. So I think a lot of people start asking, you know, what is a public or semi-public space right. in Denver? Um, on, on the most high level, um, Red Rocks is a, is a public space. Our parks are public space. The Denver Center of the Performing Arts is a public space. But I think most importantly, talking about this initiative, um, public spaces are tree lawns. They're parkways. As I mentioned, they're parks. There's sidewalks in front of someone's home. So you could truly have an individual that could camp out, set up a tent, or could occupy the public space in front of your home, your tree lawn, your sidewalk, in perpetuity. And I think what's most dangerous about this initiative, and it's unprecedented, there's no other city in the entire country that has something similar to what's being proposed here in Denver. What's most dangerous is, let's say an individual exercises their right, if this were to pass, they occupy that public space, you as a property owner go out there and ask them to move. Or even a police officer goes out there and asks them, ask them to move. Or even a service provider, let's say the Cardo Coalition for the Homeless, they go and try and ask that individual if they'd like help and services. It is that person's civil right under this initiative to occupy that space. And if you are in any way harassing them or they perceive it as harassment, it's a civil rights violation and they can sue you. I think that's the most dangerous piece about this astounding. initiative. Astounding, and it goes, it goes. That's why it goes so much further than any other. You know, we've seen other ordinances, we've seen other laws that have been passed in L.A., Portland, Seattle, across this country. But that civil rights violation piece is something that that is really concerning. And I think it's it's shown in the fact that we have a lot of the service providers, the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless, the Salvation Army, um, you know, Catholic charities. These groups are coming out and saying we're particularly concerned about this initiative because we want to be able to help people. And that civil rights piece, a lot of people are concerned that it's going to prevent them from actually helping people get the services they need. Because we want to see people in support of housing. You know, as realtors, Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. as DMAR, we want to see people in housing, whether that's short-term support of housing or eventually long-term housing. We want to see people get mental health services. That's obviously a big component of homelessness. So, you know, we want to see solutions 
and we want to see initiatives that are focused on mm-hmm. coming up with solutions, particularly in housing and mental mm-hmm. health services. And unfortunately, Right to Survive does nothing to help the homeless. Um, Peter, another question. I, I read that. I read the ordinance, or I thought I did, and I missed that civil rights component. And I can see why that's so concerning. I, I have to ask just a, a question, though. Okay, so you have your lovely home in Denver. And somebody decides that they want to camp so they could, like, could they put a tent on the sidewalk out in front of your house? So all the sidewalks in Denver um, are are public right away. They are owned by the city. Someone could put a tent uh, on the sidewalk in front of your home in perpetuity, so long as they're not committing a crime. Okay. So then I'm thinking people living, though, I mean, going to the restroom. I mean, what, I mean, so somebody's parked in front of your house. Can they be, I mean... I'm just kind of concerned about that. Very concerning. I mean, I I think we've seen, um, you know, particularly other cities that have adopted similar type of legislation. Again, this goes much further than them. But let's take a city like L.A., for example. I think we've probably all seen, read, or heard about um, a a portion of L.A.'s downtown called Skid Row, 50 square blocks, um, and it's dominated by homeless. Um, And and one of the main problems is there's, there's not enough access to restrooms. Um, I think they have maybe six public restrooms in those 50 square blocks. So, I mean, it doesn't pub- take public, a rocket yes. scientist to figure out this yes. is not going to be a good um, thing. So you're seeing a lot of problems. I mean, in 2018, there was an extreme typhoid outbreak in Skid issues. Row in 2018 because, you know, you have people that are defecating on the streets because they have nowhere else to go. So it's 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 definitely a concern. Um, with this initiative here in uh, Denver. You know, Karen, people get pretty whacked out, uh, whacked out if people don't clean up after their, their dogs. I mm-hmm. can't. I mean, what do you think about this whole right to survive thing as a, as a realtor? I know, well, you're on the National Board of Realtors, and, you know, that what Peter said, I mean, this is one of the things that is so important to you is, is private property rights and people being able to have their homes. What do you think about this? Well, um, Definitely. I have a, a heart for the homeless and I, I, I feel for them and I'm compassionate about them. And, and the homeless population is a population that we want to shrink. We don't want it to grow. And what I see with um, this type of initiative is that it makes homelessness look really good. Um, it looks positive and it looks like, well, I can be homeless and I'll have a place to live. And, and so it's twofold. You're making something that really isn't a positive state of being, and we would like people to not be homeless. We would like people to have appropriate shelter and appropriate health care, and yet we're going to allow them to live in places that are going to affect people who do have homes and take away their their rights and their equity and, and their value in their homes because it won't be very desirable if someone's living out in front of their house. Um, so it creates a problem that I know that the hearts of the people that probably put that forward um, have really good hearts, but they're not looking at the long-term um, effects. effects of this yeah. of this potential um, legislation and and. Not as severe, but pretty severe in Colorado. If you look at construction defect legislation, those people that were representing us saw a problem and wanted to fix it, and their hearts were in the right place, but they didn't look long-term. And not looking long-term, we now have um, a, a market housing situation where we have so much rental property coming out of the ground and not ownership available property, which is causing... Um, great appreciation for sellers who want to move out of our, our area, 
but people who want to stay in Colorado can't find affordability. So I think it's very, very important that um, the voters, when they look at this in the city and county of Denver, our Denver residents, that they look at the long-term effect, um, and this does not help the homeless. Well, and I have, I've done a lot of volunteer work. I have a heart for, I, I, for people. I care deeply about people. Uh, however, I think we need to treat people as individuals and not as pets. And I sometimes think that, you know, the way we treat the homeless, uh, it's become a big business. And, um, you know, I don't like that so much, but I've got a very pragmatic question. I think this is probably for you, Peter, since you're the government guy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, conceivably, from a strategic standpoint, you could see in a close election that somebody could move people into different voting areas if there might be a real contested election. And, I mean, I don't think you have to live someplace very long. And so you might be living on the sidewalk in District A because District A might be a contested um, you know, political campaign. And people could vote in a campaign. I mean, do I have a tin hat on, or is that a possibility? Uh, you know, it's the first time I've heard it, but I think it's just one of the... You heard the, it here! It's one of the many... <laughs> uh, I, I heard it here. It's one of the, I think, uh, many unintended consequences that you could, you could see if this were to pass in Denver. Um, so, yeah, first first time that it's really been brought up, but I think it, it's conceivable for sure. The only... One of the things, if I could go back, him and, and I want to mention, you know, a lot of the questions we get, okay... You know, homelessness is a serious problem. We all want to help. A lot of people ask, what is the city doing? Are they doing anything right now? Um, They're putting in 50, they being the city and county of Denver, are putting in $50 million a year, either direct or indirect services for the homeless. Um, We have enough shelter beds. We have 1.2 shelter beds for every homeless person that's on the street in the city and county of Denver. A lot of people ask, how many is it? You know, it's hard to get an exact count, but it's somewhere above 3,000, yeah. 1.2 shelter beds for every homeless individual. Um, we spend, or the city spends, 20, 000, on average, $20,000 on direct services for every homeless individual we have. You know, how, you know how much we spend on a student in Denver Public Schools? 12000 That's astounding. Um, it's astounding. So I, I, want, I, I say that because I want people to understand, you know, the city is already doing a lot to sit there and address this issue. Um, so it's it's not that they're not doing anything at all. They're doing a lot. They're putting a lot of resources at it. Do we need to have a broader conversation, a more vigorous conversation about how we address it? For sure. Um, but uh, I just want to make that clear to folks that, that the city is doing a lot already. And I think hopefully once we defeat this measure, we'll have we'll have a stronger conversation about how we can continue to address the issue. Well, we're going to go to break. But to that point, I'm going to do a little Ronald Reagan quote that I did just recently. It says, government's view of the economy could be summed up in a few short phrases. If it moves, tax it. If it keeps moving, regulate it. And if it stops moving, subsidize it. So, my friends, $20,000 per homeless person, and, and I think the estimates are in the 3000 range. And if you subsidize it, you're going to get more of it. And then to your point, if you make it attractive, you're going to get more of it. And ultimately, it's going to affect the middle class mm-hmm. and the people that are out there, you know, working hard. So how can we be compassionate to people that are, you know, on the down and out and also make sure that we protect that that dream for um, people moving into the middle class? So this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. We're having a conversation with award-winning realtor Karen Levine and uh, Peter Wall, who is the government affairs person with the Denver Metro Association of Realtors. We will be right back. 
Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree? Let's have a conversation. I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. I'd love it if you'd like and follow me, offering you a conservatarian perspective. And we're talking about uh, a really important issue that is going to be on the ballot in for Denver voters in May, and that is this right to survive. We have in studio with us Karen Levine, award-winning realtor with uh, REMAX Alliance, and Peter Wall, who is the uh, government affairs person with uh, the Denver Metro Association of Realtors. Uh, Peter, you've done a really good job set- setting this up for folks on what potentially could happen with this right to survive. And Karen, you mentioned that you thought, you know, this is something that you, you have a heart for homelessness. I mean, we, it really does break our hearts when we see people on, you know, that have had a lot of bad luck. However, it sounds like we're subsidizing this. We're, we're putting $20,000 per homeless person um, towards them in, in Denver. And, and if we do that, we're probably going to get more of the problem instead of solving it. So during break, Karen, you were talking about the, the numbers of going to homeless of 20000 uh, per person. And, Peter, you said it was 12000 for a Denver public school student. So what did you think about that, Karen? Well, it, it causes you to question um, use of dollars. And as I mentioned, my concern for homelessness, I mean, I, I earnestly don't want to see people living on the streets. I also know there is a, a segment of that populace that chooses that lifestyle. Um, as taxpaying citizens, is it my responsibility to encourage and to um, make that lifestyle more comfortable? Um, because that's what they chose. And that's where I say, um, if that's your choice, you should fund that choice. And the taxpayer shouldn't be funding that choice. And that doesn't mean that there aren't, there's not a handout, a hand up. Um, Colorado Coalition for the Homeless is a great resource. There are many nonprofits out there that that is their work. And um, as we've seen um, in many programs, um, those organizations have better use of dollars and better track records of getting people out of homelessness than our government dollars. So I'm thinking about Denver. You know, I've been in Colorado for a long time. It's It's a city that I love. And uh, I don't go downtown very much for like a variety of reasons. There is not any parking. It's difficult to get down there and it's dirty. And it's not the city that I fell in love with. And I hope that we can get this whole thing turned around. But Peter, it's not only this right to survive. I mean, it's astounding to me that we could have people camping on the sidewalk in front of our house. And I mean, in a way you could almost, you could start to harass one person and not another by having a whole bunch of people in front of their house. I mean, I, I, I guess I'm in a very cynical mood this morning as I talk about that, <laughs> but it, it seems like we're taking these policies that are, would, in, would enable people to, instead of giving them opportunity and, and being creative and, and doing better in their lives, we're looking at the right to survive where hey, it's okay to camp in front of somebody's house. We're not going to worry about where you go to the bathroom or, or things like that. And then, then we had the thing that, that uh, ended up, doesn't look like it's going through right now, but this was the safe injection zones. And, and again, so would government actually be spending money to enable people to destroy themselves? I mean, that's not the American idea, Peter. Yep, so I, I, I want to be, be clear on one point here that 
you know, all of our elected leaders in Denver, the, the current city council, the mayor, um, in fact, many of the candidates, uh, there's an election, too, in, in May um, on, on the ballot with the Right to Survive initiative where you have all 13 Denver City Council members up as well as the mayor. None of those elected officials have come out and endorsed us or supporting it. Many, okay. if not all of them, are coming out and opposing it. So oh, good. Okay, I think what we're, what we're, and I bring that up because what we're seeing is, I mean, this is a show about conversations, right? It's, it's when, when individuals feel like they're not heard by their elected officials, ultimately what happens is they sit there and go to the ballot. They collect these signatures. The bar is way too low to get something on the ballot in Denver. They literally had to collect 4,700 signatures mm-hmm. to get on the ballot. And if there's 3,000 homeless, it didn't take long. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure they got some of those folks to sign as well. But when the bar is too low, we're not having a conversation about how to address the problem. What happens is something ends up on the ballot. We're spending millions of dollars fighting it. Those are millions of dollars that could be going into additional resources to help the homeless. And that's that's housing. That's mental health services. So I, I just bring that up because I think I think there needs to you need to draw the line and kind of recognize that sometimes you have elected officials that are pushing pushing bad policy. But this this case, it's you know, you have some residents, you have a, a, a very active you know, homeless rights advocacy advocacy organization that put this on the ballot. Well, and when we talk about the rights, they're, they're calling this a right. And um, I, I, I don't think it's a right that somebody can go and park in front of somebody's house and camp there for perpetuity. And, Karen, you know, the middle class, a vibrant middle class, is something that makes America so unique. Home ownership is one of those key components to the middle class. And when, so we talk a lot about affordable housing and how, how expensive uh, things have gotten in Colorado, and I submit to you that a lot of it is because of government policy. And you just hit upon it, and that is the construction defects legislation that was put in place that basically stopped con- uh, development of condominiums here in Colorado. And a condo was a way for many young people to start to get into some kind of ownership, to start to create some equity. They get that equity, then they can bump it up to a home. Mm-hmm. And now people are being pushed into apartments and, um, you know, kind of small apartments, encouraged to ride light, light rail. And, you know, I, I find that that's kind of an affront against the uh, American dream. Yeah, and what I found interesting is when I was um, at the National Association of Realtors um, annual meetings in November, um, Many states um, throughout the United States uh, is being challenged by the uh, amount of uh, rental apartments being built in their cities. And they do not have construction defect legislation on their books. And so what I see is that Colorado has an excuse because we had that legislation. But what's happening nationwide that we're not seeing more ownership units being built um, we know we have history that ownership creates wealth in a family unit. It creates wealth for our communities. It brings communities together. It makes for better education. It makes for less crime. Home ownership has been the foundation for the wealth of America. And so my question to all of us is, what is going on in, in our political government arena that is wanting to take away that. And I fear that home ownership empowers us, non home ownership takes away our liberties. 
And so you're on the national board, and, and you, you have such a great way of, of messaging and listening to people, and you've had some conversations on the national level about this. We have, and, you know, it's a very large board of directors, and there's lots of issues, but, you know, you just hope that if you bring up the topic, you'll cause conversation like we're having here, and people will start to become aware that um, we're diminishing the value of home ownership, and how can we regain um, that in our nation and in our communities. Right. So instead of devaluing home ownership, which I think that this right to survive would do that, mm-hmm. we want to empower people. And uh, Peter, we're getting close to the end of our time. And once again, kind of talk about the solutions that we have for homeless here in Denver so people understand that this is not, it's not uh, uncompassionate to vote no on this thing. Yeah. So I think solutions, um, we're looking towards, you know, two things, housing and mental health services. So a lot of people say, okay, you're opposed to the right to survive. What have you supported or what would you support? Um, there was an initiative um, that ended up passing. It was on Denver's ballot in November 2018 um, called Caring for Denver, um, a sales tax increase that generates $46 million a year for mental health services and some housing services. We, I point to that in terms of that is a solution to sit there and actually address a root cause of homelessness. But telling someone that they can sit there and just survive on the street and we're not going to do anything else to help them. It's inhumane. It's not helpful. People sit there and stay in, stay in the same cyclical cycle, and we can do a lot better in that. So that's really the, the theme of this campaign. The opposition campaign is called Together Denver. If you want more information, www.togetherdenver.com. And I think we really need to sit there and, and, and one, defeat this initiative, but, two, continue to have these robust conversations around housing and mental health services to, okay. to help these individuals. And you said that's Together www.togetherdenver.com. Okay, great. And then, Karen, one other thing. If Denver passes this, though, it would actually affect housing in the whole metro area, right? I believe it will. Um, If you see that, um, you know, the residents, the homeless, are taking up public spaces in Denver, um, you know, that's going to bleed over into our suburbia neighborhoods. And then it's probably going to affect pricing because people are going to want to move out of Denver and move into the suburbs. And we already have a inventory shortage um, metro and statewide. Um, I will say inventory had gone, has gone up the past two months um, and time on the market has increased, which means the rate of appreciation is starting to slow down a bit. But then again, I've written several offers this week and both cases have been multiple offer situations. So okay. it's kind of a interesting scenario um, of what's happening in our marketplace. Okay. Well, Karen, thank you so much. Peter, thank you so much. If people want to talk to somebody about buying or selling property, they need to give you a call. Uh, I know you well, known you for over 30 years. Your phone number is 303-877-7516. For Karen Levine, again, that's 303-877-7516. Peter, thank you so much. It's great to see you again. So good to see you. Thank you so much for... uh, you know, helping me have my radio debut. You know, you <laughs> knocked it out of the park on this debut, I say. What do you think, Karen? I think he did a great job. And I would just put a, make a shout-out to the Denver Metro um, Association of Realtors and our members. If you don't call me but have a housing need, please call a realtor. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. You know what? You try to get by on the cheap, and, you know, it makes it pretty difficult. So get a professional who you can truly trust. Karen Levine, I highly, highly, highly re- re- recommend her.